0: Welcome back to the second episode of This League. Thank you all for tuning in once again. We've got a great show for you today. We've got talking hard knocks. we got studs and duds, uh, talking Jets and Giants football, preseason football. And we have an interview with Andy Vasquez, the beat reporter for the New York Jets and the golf column for the record in possibly the best interview we've ever done. So before we get started, I want to bring up Dak Prescott. He can actually freak the frig off. He turned down a thirty million dollar deal to try to get forty.
1: I don't know who the fuck this guy thinks he is. He forty million dollars a year. Does, it not, does any other quarterback make that much money? Would he want to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. Every
0: single player wants to be the highest paid player, and he's actually s.
1: Dak Prescott can't for the long ball to save his life. The only reason he's good is because he had Zeke, and there and that took the pressure off him. But now that he's not probably not gonna have Zeke, he wants forty million a year to fucking suck.
0: He just put Zeke in the shitter because they have to balance that payment between a forty million contract to Dak Prescott, who is absolute shit without Zeke, and they have to try to figure out Zeke's contract still while he's in uh, Mexico, wherever the fuck he is.
1: I really don't see it being possible, or not. It probably is possible if Jerry Jones wanted to make it happen, but there's no shot. In hell, Jerry Jones is going to pay Dak Prescott $40 million a year, make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He's going to go out of his way to make Zeke the highest-paid running back in the league. There's no fucking shot he does that for both of them. Zero percent chance.
0: Jerry Jones is an asshole.
1: Jerry Jones is an asshole, but he knows what the fuck he's doing when it comes yeah. to money and shit. I could beat the shit out of him. The Cowboys are what? The biggest, third biggest franchise in like, the whole world? Like, every, almost every make, sport. Yeah, so I think I think the only ones in front of him are, like, maybe the Yankees and the Knicks, maybe. I don't know, he's a genius. <laughs> Jerry's world. Jerry's oh, no. fucking world. And Dak and Zeke are just living in it. Yeah, the NFL. Jerry's fucking world. It was slow as
0: hell with news, and now we have this whole thing with Dak Prescott turning his contract down, and the NFL turned down AB's uh, attempt to wear that old helmet.
1: Antonio Brown. This is the definition of this league bullshit. This league drama. This is literally the definition.
0: Antonio this Brown league.
1: is such a fucking drama queen. That he made it such a big deal how he's not going to fucking play anymore. I don't want to fucking play. And I, I read about how even if he said no and didn't play because of the contract clause or whatever, he wouldn't end up making his money. Even if he retired, they, they, the, the Raiders wouldn't have to pay him. Then he appealed it to the league. Got denied, and then he said, I'll be ready for the season. And oh what's my even funnier, thank
0: God, what's even funnier is they didn't mention his name when they discussed it. They they called <laughs> him the, the player, they wouldn't say, um, AB. He's
1: just the player so can't
0: stupid. practice, and the player won't get paid, and he thought he could beat the machine, which never... we'll get into later because his brings that up later on. Uh, is right now at work, so but we're not going to get too much into AB just yet. But...
1: But for him just to make such a fucking big deal out of it, like, oh my god, oh, are they yeah. just flip like that.
0: He's making himself look like an idiot. And so then he, he said, "Thank you for the people that care about my feet. I uh, can't wait to join my teammates again. I'm an idiot." Also, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is officially sus. What you've got to see that Instagram
1: bird. I have not seen his Instagram. He, I try to posts, ignore his stupidness.
0: He posts it. I un, I'm, I don't follow him. After he started talking shit about Eli and the New York Giants, unfollowed him. He posted a picture in Calvin Klein's of him basically holding his dick in the mirror. I
1: tell you, man, Cleveland, knows- Cleveland, he- Cleveland makes you sus. Cleveland makes you sus. And he was already on the hot seat for that in New York. Now he's really a sus, motherfucker. He's with those slums in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, he's officially fucking beat. Also, hot seat right now, preseason football because when we went to MetLife, I was kind of like. Bored out of my mind after with the rain delay. Immediately, I think I'm never going to a preseason game again.
2: Yeah, no preseason games are absolutely brutal to go to, and I'm 100 on your boat. There's just no need to leave your couch. Anymore.
0: once the rain delay happened, I left by myself. I stopped on the way home at Chili's and I got uh ribs, and then I ate them on the car ride home.
1: <laughs> That's a messy ass thing to eat for the car ride. Yeah, uh,
0: uh, that was that was the highlight of my night. Rain delay. Chili's ribs. Rain Chili's, from, Chili's yeah.
1: baby back ribs. Chili's baby back ribs to go.
2: Did you see the sky at MetLife? It was it really was...
1: green. They know the Jets are coming. Yeah. Storms are coming. And its name is Darnold. Oh, He's it coming. Like they're, they're, the they're, they're, they're...
0: Jets chant is the worst thing in the world. What's the Giants chant? Uh, Let's go Giants.
1: It's garbage. Pretty annoying. Let's
2: go. Giants. We bleed blue. Yeah. That it.
1: <laughs> Is that it? Is that actually it? No. Nah. I
2: was <laughs>
1: <That's> going <gonna, laughs> to say, I was like, what the fuck? They come I up with the worst stuff. I, I always hated going to the Rutgers games as a kid. And then that, every time they got a first down, and that's a Rutgers first down. Every single fucking time. I hate that shit. Keep chopping.
2: I went to I one Rutgers chopping. game, one Rutgers game only, and I was a little kid. And they shot off cannons like every ten minutes, and I told myself, at like eight years old, I would never go back to fucking Rutgers. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> they fire the cannon out of the fucking end zone all the fuck, too often.
2: Yeah, hated it. Hated
1: and that hated stadium, it. And That stadium is just I don't know it's it's, it's shitty. <laughs> it's it's shitty. Although I I do like the
2: their basketball court, uh, arena. The rack, yeah, the rack cool. rack. It's fucking the scary cool. getting up to your seat though. Mm-hmm. It's literally a fucking high nosebleeds. It's, Oh my god, Kylo's it's a fast th- fucking walk, too. You feel like you're going to fall over. Yeah.
0: All right, Is let's hear your stud and dud, and we'll get this going. Okay, so we've had a lot of studs and duds this
2: week. It was kind of a slow week in sports, but I could definitely start off with my dud of the week. My dud of the week is Antonio Brown. As I, as everyone saw, this man went into a, what is it called? Those ice chambers? Yeah. Uh,
1: cryo-freeze or something? It's like something like that?
2: Well, this man went in there with wet socks or sweaty socks and got frostbite on his feet, can't practice, can't do anything. And then we get a report from the god himself, Adam Schefter, that Antonio Brown is threatening to retire from football because the NFL has banned the helmet that he's worn for the last nine seasons in the NFL. Now, if that couldn't be any more of a dud, I don't know what can be because how do you you not just pick a new helmet?
0: And every other receiver is going to have to wear that helmet. No one else is complaining besides A. B. He's just a mental midget, and they have so much space in his head right now. It's crazy. What's even more bullshit is that Hard Knocks is not going to show this. They're going to hype it up to get views, and we're not going to see it.
1: It's just fucking childish. You really think about it, it's childish. That like the reason probably why the NFL is making the helmet change is for probably better safety because the announced their best, always their biggest issue is head injuries. And, like I understand probably his vision is used to one thing, but he's really going to retire. Because he can't wear what helmet he wants. It's a drama queen. Absolute drama queen. It's absurd.
2: You kind of almost think that like, maybe the NFL should just let him wear the helmet. Because if he doesn't even want a safer helmet, maybe his brain is already mush. (laughs) <laughs> so who, who, who cares if it gets even more mushy right like
0: and the NFL the NFL doesn't care if he plays or not obviously okay. they, they're gonna want him to play but they probably don't give a fuck if he says I'm not I'm sitting out because of the helmet change
1: yeah, yeah then he can. also said that he, he said that he's gonna he'll hold the NFL liable if he were to wear that helmet and get it yeah too. they don't care and they, they don't care like
0: they're a machine
1: before. they don't care about they don't care about CTE. Will Smith though, they too. suck <laughs> they suck. They no. just make care about making as much money as possible and that's it. How can to <laughs> even blame the NFL if they're making him
2: get a new helmet? And if he doesn't get a new, if he won't wear the new helmet, he's going to retire. So, what is it? And did you guys also see that uh, he he said that he, uh, Rodgers and uh, Brady get to wear their old helmets and the next day there's videos of them practicing with the new helmets on that was the issued by helmet. the league? He's, a dud. <laughs> he's just a dud. That is a dud I'm of like the week.
1: Idiot. That's, just, that's just him being an idiot.
2: So, my stud of the week goes out to the Ocho, Daniel Jones, for lighting up the preseason. We only saw one drive, but my God, does he look good. He silenced the doubters already. I can, I can just feel it. He just went out there
0: and poised.
2: He went out there and poised. <laughs> he, he just went out there and killed it. Just carved that Jets defense up.
0: And as predicted, everyone that was at MetLife Stadium was screaming, trade Eli, as soon as that happened. Six for six. He was. He looked good. They're Eli. Eli yeah. Eli's in the shitter now.
2: Uh, he's. Uh, Eli's about to have to be one bad game away from the entire fucking fan base calling for his job. Okay.
1: Okay. I, I will say, he did have very good drive, but again, one fucking drive in the preseason. Still know what the fuck's gonna happen. And That's all we needed playing, though. And he was playing against the shit. He's playing against the second team defense. And probably not even any of those corners probably won't even end up starting the regular season. And all I've heard from all the Giants fans is oh my god, this is it. This is it. Well, especially yeah,
2: every- too that he was fucking he was so ridiculed for being drafted at six, like it was his fault the New York Giants drafted him. I mean, he's been getting shit on and hated on since the since the second he got drafted. No one wants him to like succeed. And it was just like it was honestly like uh it was a great feeling watching him go out there and do what he did because most Giants fans don't even want them, and now that everyone's so awesome. behind them, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so, so now you think everybody's behind them? How many games you giving Eli then? Regular I think you got to you give him to the bye. You
2: got to give him to the buy. Okay,
1: uh, Bird, what's your uh, stud and dud? So I'll start off with uh, my stud. Start of the week, probably always stud of Major League Baseball is Mike Trout. L-Go. It just really oh. surprises me that Mike Trout is so I feel like underrated and not. Appreciated by the public enough, one because he's not—he doesn't have that like charismatic. Like he's not that Derek Jeter type or, or, or that kind of type of player. He's very quiet to himself. But statistically, right now, he will end up having the greatest possible baseball season statistically that anybody's ever had. And just this week, he—I think now he's at 39 home runs, and he is one of the first players to hit. A home run in every single American League ballpark. Wow! And and he has the four hundred fifty million million dollar contract. I just wish he was more like outgoing and not from Millville, New Jersey, and actually, (laughs) actually was able to like did like all the sponsors and everything. But like he's that's just not who he is. He's a body armor athlete. Yeah, if he if he came to New York, which I thought he was really going to come to the Yankees, I really did. He'd be huge. He can literally do whatever he wants. He, st- he still can. He probably, he's probably the highest paid athlete in, in in North American history, but I just wish like, people actually appreciated him more for like, how fucking good he is. And he is going to win the MVP and possibly have an unreal, f- probably one of the best seasons ever. Everybody's just like, uh, just Mike Trout doing Mike Trout. Okay. So, my debt of the week has to be that the Orioles and that fucking performance, them getting <laughs> absolutely smacked. <laughs> it was literally a football score. I think, what was the final score, 20-24?
2: I think it was 23-2. 23-2, yeah.
1: 23-2 with 25 hits, 12 extra base hits, um, five five batters had all had three hits. Oh, my God. They picked up all those bases, because, and that's just, the Orioles are bad. Like, they've been bad, and I know the Yankees this year have hit, like, a record number of home runs against them. Like, at any time they play the Yankees, the over, is just hits every time. 49. But to give up that many runs, it's like it was pathetic. At the end of the game, they had literally, they had outfielders, just position players, throwing, like, 50 mile, fifty like, slow as shit, and these guys are hitting absolute bombs.
0: Stupid. Imagine taking your kid to his first baseball game as a <laughs> Orioles and fan and the absolutely shit on
2: <laughs> hey bird. The yeah. Astros the Astros catcher, Maldonado, five at bats, zero hits. The only player on the team to have no hits oh in that game. Dude,
0: that sucks for him. That is a dud too. Um, all right. My stud of the week is Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. This is a guy who was spending two nights on the grass outside the facility and one night at twenty-four hour fitness. He showed up to the Browns' workout. He convinced the doorman that he was friends with the Browns' vice president of player personnel, Alonzo Highsmith. And he and lied
1: God. about his
0: identity and then got onto the field.
1: So. That's God. That's how you do it. Fake it till you make it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Fake it till you make it. It's I'm rooting like, for him now. Yeah, I'm he's he's team.
0: So I'm going to keep my dud kind of short this week. Uh, it's legs. So we have preseason going back into action. We have soccer back in uh, England. And just in general, legs have been a bad beat this week, a mega dud. We have players getting absolutely blown into pieces like Jermaine Curse with a broken leg. We have torn ACLs on every single team pretty much. We have uh, sprained ankles, sprained knees, and even Liverpool goalie Allison, he pulled his calf in the first week out four to eight weeks. So just in general, um, legs are a big dud this week. And from there, we'll go into Talking Hard Knocks. We had the first episode of this series last Tuesday. It was absolutely atrocious. So boring. Derek Carr's a weirdo.
1: Derek Carr yeah. is a f- sketchball. Sus. Sus, Sus. motherfucker. I don't... He, he
0: was he came... so weird. He, he was acting for the camera the entire time. He was trying so 100%. hard.
2: It it sounds scripted. Yeah. It almost does sound scripted. Do you think,
0: do you think uh, John Gruden wrote down that speech before for that first Intro. He had it. it uh, he's he
2: written down the day they announced the Raiders were on that <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been
1: waiting for that moment.
0: It was he electric. Loved, he, it got me ready. He, he, and then the next scene was Derek Carr like jerking his kids.
1: I don't yeah, like Derek a, Carr at all. No. Dude, he was real weird. Like the oil on the arms and shit. Like that was sus. Yeah, that was too much. <laughs> that was weird. It
0: looked, it, it looked like he was a paid actor trying to be Derek Carr.
2: Yeah, literally. I also had a feeling that like – not a feeling, but like as I was watching it, as the show progressed, it almost seemed like Gruden is like a big-time high school football coach. Like he's not like – yeah, he just seems to like – he's like in high school. Like his speech actually fired me up though. I would have ran through a wall if he was saying that to me in person. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm just – I think Gruden's a big joke. Uh, I think –
0: I feel like the, the players didn't respect him at all.
2: No, and I think that's the problem with AB. Like, there's no way he respects Gruden at all. Oh, it's, he's, it's
1: Coach AB. He's a, he's also a TV yeah. personality too.
2: <laughs> he is a TV personality. He's a TV it's,
1: personality.
2: Yeah, he's loving this limelight from the Hard Knocks because he gets to go back to what he's good at. He wasn't. If you look at his track record, anyway, Gruden's Gruden's not that successful as a coach in the league. Not he at inherited he inherited a Tony coach. Dungy. Uh, he's a
1: quarterback guy. Yeah, he, should, he inherited he should, uh, just,
2: Tony Dungy's team. Uh, Tampa, yeah, and they then he took Tony Dungy's team to the Super Bowl, but other than that, he was actually pretty awful as a head coach there.
1: Yeah, you no, know, he's literally a, a quarterback guy that literally took took his took his advantage of knowing quarterbacks, all the quarterback shit, and then he made that he had that show with all the um, what was mm-hmm. it called, all the college quarterbacks that were that were, were going pro. The Where Gruden camp. Yep. And also
0: guy in Hard Knocks that was an idiot. Oh, Jonathan Abram. Safety. Just trying to hit everyone, and then what was up with the horses?
1: It's so scripted. Old <laughs> Town Weird. Road <laughs> playing in the
0: background. Bullshit horse ride. Yeah, a,
1: I, and- I
2: feel like the it's the, the Hard Knocks is definitely going to pick up. I feel the first episode's more introducing you to everybody, but it it felt like unnatural. It didn't feel like it was coming from like them. Like they had like it's like they're rehearsing for Hard Knocks. And which was is definitely not good for a team like trying to like compete in the yeah. NFL.
0: I was rooting for uh, Ronald Ollie, the, the guy that. Uh,
2: me too. Last to year after,
0: we, after the first ten minutes, we we
1: meet him. I found that to be hilarious. I found it so funny that they spent all this time talking about really a good part of the episode. They were like, "All right, this." They were talking about him, and then he got cut within twenty-five minutes of the of the show, of the show. That
0: crossover with Last Chance U was perfect. Yeah, it, it might have been the best TV perfect. crossover I've ever seen. <laughs> hard knocks and last chance too.
2: Overall, I think next episode's gonna be better. We're gonna get introduced to more people. I really hope Derek Carr has as little camera time as possible because I hate watching him. I hate watching
0: him. Oh, he's the worst, and it's they make it all about him, and he's the worst by far—the worst person on camera. Yeah, I, oh, to I need. To
1: see, I'm excited for this next episode. I need to see this Sean McVay, John Cruden on the field work. Literally going back and forth. There's a brawl
2: in it. I, I did see that in the uh, preview. Yeah, there There's is a brawl. brawl
1: with the Rams. There is a brawl. Yep, yep.
0: I'm excited. There's I a think try- Sean be.
1: They're gonna they're gonna try to out football guy each other. Yeah, yeah. Who can who can say more weird shit about football in one <laughs> city while yelling and walking around and blowing a whistle?
0: It's going to be football guy terms just getting screamed at each other, just launching <laughs> yeah. football words into the air.
1: I'm, and I'm telling you, don't be surprised if it gets to a point where they're just saying the same shit back and <laughs> forth. And one person says it, they're just echoing each other from other sides of the field. <laughs> uh, they, they each have megaphones, just trying to be louder <laughs> than each other.
0: And that's talking hard knocks. (laughs) All right, so next up we have Andy Vasquez, the Jets and golf beat writer for The Record and North Jersey.
1: Also top-notch pilot and the best guest we've ever had.
0: By far. So now joining us is Andy Vasquez, who covers the New York Jets and golf for The Record and NorthJersey.com. Thank you, Andy, for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right, so we wanted to jump into you as a journalist with your career. I read that you're Detroit born and you're a UCF alumni. How did you get into the New York market and decide to write for the Jets and uh, golf? I guess.
3: Just kind of happened, man. I mean, like, I went to college out of high school to be a pilot, believe it or not. Wow. Um, Shit. Sure. I got my pilot's license when I was, like, 18 years old. I, I, flown a, I flew a plane alone. It's hard to believe that they let people do that I'm 18 years old, but it's true. Uh, and after, like, a year, I just wasn't, I, you know, it just wasn't for me. It just didn't feel like something I wanted to do long-term. Like, flying is really cool, and I loved it. But, you know, I didn't think it would be, you know, something that would challenge me the way I wanted to be challenged every day. So I, I thought about getting into TV. I, I went to – uh you know school in DC for a year at American University uh ended up getting a TV internship I ended up moving home to Orlando where my parents lived or near near there getting a, a an internship at a TV station and I really didn't like it either but so I wanted to go like in depth on on some of these stories so I went to my college newspaper and I said uh you know it was the Central Florida Future at uh UCF and I said uh you know, I'll do anything. I'll cover women's soccer. I'll cover wrestling. I'll cover whatever there is to cover. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be football. Just Just let me write for you, and we'll see where it goes. And the sports editor liked me, and, and he became the managing editor of the of the newspaper about a month later and, and made me the sports editor. So I went from, you know, really never – I had written for my high school newspaper but not having much experience to being the sports editor of, of a newspaper newspaper college newspaper at a big school. I mean, UCF is like the biggest school in terms of undergrad enrollment in the country. So in the span of the month, I was in charge of covering football, covering everything for them and, and assigning writers. And, and it just kind of went from there. Uh, I uh, covered UCF when they were terrible that first year. I think they were, <laughs> they were winless under George O'Leary. The next year they went to the Hawaii bowl. Brandon Marshall was on Jeez. that. Team. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went from there and ended up, uh, you know, getting a job at a small paper in, in Stewart, Florida, and then a year later having an opportunity to come up here and cover high school sports, and that led to me getting a chance to cover the Brooklyn Nets for their last year in Jersey, their first four years in Brooklyn, and then I switched over to the Jets in 2016. Wow. And I've been doing that ever since.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. Very versatile. Yeah. So you're you're a pilot writing for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
3: I'm not a, I mean. I guess you, once you get a pilot's license, it never expires, but I'm not current. Like, I'm medical <laughs> yeah. current, and I don't – like, I would – I think I know how to fly a plane still. I think it's like – I hate to say, like, riding a bike, but, like, you don't forget physically how to do it. It's just, like, I wouldn't know any of the regulations, and, you know, not knowing <laughs> the regulations is a good way to get yourself killed, so I would not be interested <laughs> in flying unless I took a few lessons again.
2: Yeah, maybe we stay behind the – out of the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. All exactly. right. So I,
3: I, I'll write so I'm good with
0: that. <laughs> uh so moving on, now one now that you're with the Jets, uh just a couple of different questions. We've got Iz, who's a Giants fan, and a Brooklyn Nets fan. And then we have okay. or a New York Knicks fan. Yeah. And then we have Bird who's a diehard Jets fan. And I know he has a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Sure. Sorry about the last few years
1: for the Jets, man. Yeah, it's always bad. I'm a Jets, Knicks, and Mets fan, so I got the worst over (laughs) here. I got it the absolute worst. But 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 right now, like, uh, you uh, you can agree with me that maybe you can agree with me that you I think the Jets, out of all three of those teams, like they got they have a decent shot this year. They're built. Their program (laughs) is going in the right direction.
3: Yeah, I mean, you got to be excited as a Jets fan because they've upgraded the talent in several spots. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is an exciting addition. Uh, and CJ Mosley is the guy who I think is really going to help a big problem the Jets had last year, which was communication in their linebacker court, yeah. which I think, like, led to a lot of those big late breakdowns that really, you know, kind of haunted them all year. It's what, the reason they couldn't close out games more than anything was that their defense would give up a, a terrible play at a, at a bad time. So, um I think there's a lot to be excited about. And Sam Donald, you know, I've watched his first 11 training camp. Staff. I'm yeah, I don't love the yeah, new coaching staff, too. I don't, I don't love putting a lot of stock in the, in the training camp. But, you know, for a kid who's in his second year in the league, learning a new offense, adjusting to a new coaching staff, he looks better than he did at any point last year in practice. So yeah, yeah. Uh, what, there's a lot to be excited about.
1: What do you think about the, 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 the two-headed monster, I call it, of Goose and Williams? Do you think it's going to clash and end uh, up working out?
3: Who made it against or you broke up there? The, the two-headed monster who?
1: Uh, Adam Gase and Greg Williams. I feel like one's pretty much running the offense and one pretty oh, yeah. really much takes care of that defense. Do you think they're going to clash at all or do you think it'll end up working out?
3: Things go. If they off to a good start. Everything's going to go smoothly in terms of, of that. If, but if they lose, like they start one and four, something bad like that, people are going to start pointing fingers because there's expectations this year. There's expectations for them to be better. I don't know exactly what the expectations are, but they need to show improvement. So if they don't, if they have a rough start, you know, these guys are both intense, competitive personalities and, you know, some blame can start flying around. But, uh, you know, I like, you know, what Adam Gase is trying to build here. It's definitely been a different vibe in training camp, more intense practices. Players are definitely, being held more accountable. They know that if they screw up, they're going to hear about it later that day in the film session. They're going to be called out in front of all their teammates. And I think, you know, that's a good thing for for this team. And um, it's just going to come down to how well the Jets do at some of these positions of weakness. You know, they, if you look at their cornerbacks, yeah, they're one injury away from having a guy you've never heard of on the field. And same mm-hmm. with wide receiver. I mean, other than Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, and Jamison Crowder, there's only one combined touch, receiving touchdown on the rest of the roster from the receivers, from Josh Bellamy. No one else on that receiving staff has ever caught a touchdown in an NFL game. So
1: wow. if
3: they can Jeez. stay healthy at those key positions, they, they can be okay. But and, and same with the offensive line, by the way. There, there's only John Toss. And uh, Lewis, who they just traded for, those are the only backups who have ever played in an NFL game. So if, if they hit some problems on the offensive line, cornerback, or receiver, it could be a rough season. But if they can stay healthy at those positions, they have the talent to be good. Like I could see them winning enough games to contend for a playoff spot. I don't think that's out of the question.
0: Really? So would that be – so you would take over the seven and a half for the season?
3: I think that seven and a half is like a really good number because yeah. it, it's tough. It's like I can – you can look at this roster, look at the depth, and talk yourself into anywhere from six wins to ten wins. You can. There's an argument to be said for all of that. Uh, if Donald comes out and, and plays really well and if they stay healthy, this can be a really good team. And if they catch a few bad breaks on the offensive line and and their cornerbacks are are garbage, they could be a bad team. So I think seven and a half is like a really tough number. I would, I think I'm going to pick them to win eight or nine games. So I would go over it, but it's not, it's not a slam dunk.
0: Yeah. So following up about Adam Gase, he seems like an actual football guy and uh, the Cali vibe is definitely there. Do you think with, New York, if they were to take a downward turn, would he uh, be able to handle the New York market and the media?
3: So, here's the thing that is really misunderstood about Adam Case. Like, I'm sure when he got hired, you saw a couple clips of him, like, getting snippy with the media. Yeah. Uh, and he's an intense guy. And I'm sure you saw that press conference, and that was weird. I mean,
0: definitely. It, it he, he did have a stuff. great interview like, oh, with Yes. Some crazy eyes.
3: Yeah, but that's, I mean, look, I. I know some of the guys who work down there in Miami reporters and they all liked him. Yep. And I've I've, you know, had the chance to get to know him, you know, it's not like I know him well. Not any reporter that tells you usually they know a guy that they cover well is is not being totally truthful, but I've had the chance to like sit in a room with him, talk to him and he's a likable guy. I think all of us uh cover the team like like him so far from what we've seen, but you know, it's zero and zero so it's hard to tell exactly. I think he's going to be intense. I think there's going to be times when he gets mad. But, you know, back and forth, he works with us well. And I think, uh, you know, I think he can handle, you know, being criticized. I think he can handle dealing with the media. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, You know, I think what's going to be a problem is if things go poorly out of some of the – his personality may – some of the things he says may come across, you know, more intense it hurt him a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there could be yeah. a clip of him getting angry and stuff like that, and, and that may not be reflective of like what the relationship is with the media. But
0: and the media will, will immediately blow that up. Like that, no, that? It, the media, I said, the media would uh, would absolutely blow it up <laughs> if he was to say anything in the wrong type of way.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just unfortunately that's the the uh, nature of the of the beast right now. Like, yeah, will become, you know. He, saw his first press conference if you were in the room everything he said sounded pretty normal and and he came across pretty well we were sitting off to the side so we couldn't see like the whole eyes thing <laughs> and then you, you see on twitter what what happened uh, i mean you would listen to that press conference on radio he probably would have come across pretty well and and seeing it on tv it wasn't so that's just kind of the nature of social media and and, and you know television these days they're going to take those kind of highlight clips and and blow them into something bigger than they are. But Adam Gase is definitely like charming enough, smart enough to be able to say the right things in front of the media, 90% of the time, 95% of the time. Um, And I think if you listen to his press conferences, you'll, you'll, he provides insight and he's, he's, you know, to what extent an NFL coach is going to tell the truth. He tells the truth and uh, he's pretty likable and, and, Definitely has the attention and respect
0: of the players so far. Yeah, he seems and, great in those interviews. Andy, yeah. I have a question it's been for interesting. you. Sure. D'Anthony. Anthony.
2: Um, so this defense definitely looks to be at the top of the league this year. Uh, I think you would know better than most of us. But alongside Jamal Adams, who do you think is the X factor of this team? Do you think it's Mosley? Do you think it's someone else, or what do you think? Um,
3: I think it's Tremaine Johnson, man, because. If hmm. Tremaine Johnson has another bad season, um, they're, they're, the cornerbacks are not going to be good. And if you think about a defense, if if you can have a great pass rush, but if your cornerbacks are giving up quick hitters all day, when is the pass rush going to get to the quarterback?
2: Yeah, that's so, the problem the Giants have been having.
3: Yeah, so I, I think, you know, Tremaine Johnson, if he can get back to being one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL, the Jets defense can really have a chance of being elite because that pass rush, you look at the guys on the defensive line, you know, they should be able to create a push up the middle and, and get the quarterback stuff, stuff the run and, and free things up for some of these guys on the edge um, who have shown a little bit of potential, but haven't really been able to make much of an impact. So um, that's really important that they get, you know, Daryl Roberts is going to be important too. It's going to be important that he, is not a guy that gets picked on by opposing defenses. he's never been a starter in his career. And now they've elevated him to a starting role. So if Roberts and Tremaine Johnson, especially can kind of turn Tremaine could turn things around this year and be the guy the Jets thought they were getting when they gave him that big contract last year, I think the defense has a chance to be special. And and if he doesn't, and if the cornerback play isn't there, I think you, you could see a lot of frustration on defense this year
2: definitely now what do you think about Quinn williams how does he look does he look as dominant as everyone says he does
3: i mean like i said it's training camp so i'm not yeah. ready, ready to say like it, it's a big difference going up against these guys every play they make they're they're in the back of their mind is like don't hurt your teammate so it's they're trying to beat each other of course but they, that's always in the back of your mind and and it's never going to be a hundred percent full steam because yeah. it's teammate on teammate. But
0: he does have the personality. Yeah, i'll mean,
3: yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. he does look like he belongs. Like he's not overwhelmed. He understands the playbook. He is beating. Just he's been playing, going up against number ones, and he's you know beating them and making some plays. He had a sack on Darnold, and, and the latest practice on Tuesday. So. He's he's there. And, yeah, the personality, man, it's, I mean, the, the kid is funny, first Yeah, of
0: all. He, he's, Unintentionally.
3: He's got, <laughs> yeah, sometimes unintentionally. He's got a great sense of humor. But even when he he had a slip-up, I'll let you guys, you know, decide if you want to say exactly what it was. He yeah, had a slip-up oh, in a press conference. Madden. The Madden. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: that was funny. He wanted, <laughs> I mean, he wanted to play with oh. himself on Madden. <laughs>
3: yeah. And he knew right away that he had done it. And then he saw us laughing. And, and, you know, rather than, like, try to brush past it, he started laughing, too, and, you know, made a joke about, you know, no, I meant, you know, that sounded weird. i meant yeah. to play with myself and mad it. <laughs> and, and that's, like, funny. You know, it, it's good to have that's a 21-year-old kid to laugh at himself. Yeah. So he and he's, he's going to, like, keep saying whatever is on his mind pretty much. And, and I think, like, that's a good thing. and I And I hope he doesn't end up getting, you know, burned for it. But I don't. He doesn't seem to be a guy who ever says anything mean spiritedly. So,
0: oh, no, absolutely. Like
3: must watch press conference TV right now. He's he's funny and, and he should be able to play and make an impact, uh, pretty quickly. I mean, he's definitely got the speed and and you know the, the elusiveness to cause problems for opposing defensive lines. It's just you know how is it going to translate uh when it's for real, and you know we'll we'll start to find that out the first preseason game on Thursday night.
0: Yeah. are you, Will, I think is and I will actually be there, or Anthony. We're going to be at the game tomorrow at MedLife.
3: All right, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that you can watch. I mean, it's going to be... I don't think the the first team offense is going to play much and I would doubt Bell plays, but...
0: Oh, uh, the, you know, they already said he, no, right?
3: I think there's been... Some, the team hasn't confirmed it, but it's pretty safe that he's not going to play. And, yeah. I think he'll get in there at some point for a series or two, maybe the third preseason game, but still, like, you know, he's only had 11 practices. Nine of them have been in pads. He hasn't played in eight since last January. He hasn't really been Jeez. in. So I think they want to they want to get him kind of some more contact before he gets in there. But, um, you know, you're going to get to see, at least for a series or two, where – where Sam Darnold is going up against a different defense that he hasn't seen every day. You're going to get to see some, some, how they use Crowder, how they use Montgomery. And I I think Montgomery has been kind of a revelation so far. He's really versatile. Uh, He's been hitting holes really hard and aggressively. And I think he brings a different dynamic to that offense. And then, yeah, it'll be really fun to see um, what the defensive line can do. Uh, I I doubt Leonard Williams will play because he's been dealing with some hip, hip stuff. But that, that'll that mean more reps for Quinn Williams. That'll also mean uh, some opportunities for Polite. I think you'll see a lot of him on Thursday night. And, and you'll get to see what he can do in kind of a game atmosphere. And I know the Jets believe that in a game atmosphere is where he can probably stand out the most and show off some of his athleticism and bursts and, and some of that speed on the edge. So, yeah, that that would be some of the things I'm – Excited to see tomorrow night.
0: Do you think Ryan uh, Ryan Khalil will be in there first line? oh no, he hasn't. Uh, he,
3: he just since he signed, he has not participated yeah. in practice. He hasn't, he hasn't even okay. been in pads yet. So, I would say, um if he practices on Sunday, there's a chance they'll get him in there for the second preseason game. Okay, but I wouldn't worry about that if. if Even if he practices next week and doesn't play in a second preseason game, the guy's been in the NFL for 12 years. He knows what to do. Uh, He's going to need to be in there for the third preseason game to kind of, you know, get some snaps with Darnold in a game-like situation just so they can iron out whatever there is to iron out. But if, if he plays a couple series in that third game, I think that'll be enough for him to be ready for the regular season, provided he's in shape. We don't know yet. But I, I think from everything I've seen, he's in, he's in decent enough shape. And and uh, I wouldn't – you know, it's still more than a month before the start of the regular season. So yeah. he should be good to go by week one, and that's what, what matters.
1: What do you think of uh, Ryan Cleo's presence and like how it's going to help Sam Darnold?
3: Well, first of all, um, it all depends on health for him. Uh, last year, he played all 16 games and, and 97% of the snaps with the Panthers. And he wasn't the Pro Bowl type guy he was before, but he was like a middle of the road NFL center. And if if the Jets are even if the Jets are getting that, it's going to be an upgrade on, on yeah. Jonathan Harrison, who's it was a nice, you know, he's a good backup and he, you know, did okay doing, you know, filling in last year when when Spencer Long went out. But you know, I think the Jets had you can look if you look at the stats, the Jets had like the worst, I think from ESPN. Stats, the Jets had like the worst uh, run percentage or, or run. They were the worst running team in between the tackles last year with Harrison in there. They couldn't get any push up the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just not a, a starting level NFL center. So even if Khalil is what he was last year, which was a, a decent NFL center, it's a big upgrade. And then you got all the mental stuff. You know, uh, Joe Douglas said something interesting in his press conference the other day. It was that he kind of saw Khalil as being what Josh McCown was to Darnold last year, except for Khalil's going to be on the field with Darnold.
1: Yeah. McCown
3: was never out there on the field. So he might be even more helpful because he'll be in the cuddle. He'll be able to point out things. He'll obviously be able to point out, pick, do a lot of the work for Darnold in the of like picking up, you know, who's out there in coverage and pointing it out before the snap. It'll be less stuff on Darnold's plate, which means he'll be able to focus more on just making throws, making the right reads and, uh, I mean, I think that could have a really big benefit for Darnold. Uh, of course, it all comes down to will Khalil stay healthy. And if he, if he can play 16 games, uh, it'll be well worth the, the $8.4 Uh You know, that's, that contract, by the way, a lot of it is in incentives. So they're not guaranteed. If he doesn't play a lot, he's not going to get the full $8.4 yeah. But if he does play every, every down, the Jets will gladly pay him $8.4 million because it'll be well worth it.
2: I got a. I got another question for you. Now, sure. do you think Robbie Anderson's a number one receiver in this league? Because me personally, I don't think so. I think he's a bona fide number two. But his connection with Sam seems pretty, pretty real right now. And if he could be that deep threat that he was like part of the season last year, they could they could look to go somewhere, especially with Darnold making uh huge
3: strides in his second year. Yeah. So I guess the the cool thing is we're going to find that out this year the answer to your question is as of yet no he has not shown the kind of consistency or versatility that uh would make him a number one receiver he just hasn't he's basically been mostly a deep threat and mm-hmm. you know adam gaze says he believes he can use him at more in, in in more ways mainly i think what i'd like to see is him catching the ball kind of in space uh, maybe on some short screens not screens but like slants and seeing if you can get him the ball when he's at top speed and if he can make some guys miss and get out in the open field with the ball already in his hands. I mean, I think that's, that would be interesting to see. And he does, even though he's a pretty thin guy, he does have this ability to make stuff and and make catches in traffic tough catches. So I think there's potential there, but he hasn't shown it yet. Let's see if he can do it this year. Gay said he's going to put him in those kind of positions. Anderson said, I'm not just a guy who can run a go route. I can do more. So he's going to get the chance to show it. Uh, My gut tells me he's never going to be quite a number one receiver just because he doesn't have enough bulk on him. But he can definitely expand his portfolio and make himself a lot of money this year.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's always been, well, since he started, he's been classified as kind of a boomer bust for fantasy, uh, typically.
3: Yeah, especially last year. It wasn't, I mean, basically you'd catch a long passer, that was it. There was nothing else. So. Uh, a couple of years ago under Morton, uh, Johnny Morton, he actually showed, so he had a pretty good year and, and it was more than just the goes, more than just the deep balls. He, he was able to do some of that stuff, that yeah. other stuff. But, um, you know, obviously Jeremy Bates wasn't the answer last year at offensive coordinator. None of, I've never seen a, an offensive coordinator that like every single receiver hated. Yeah. That, wow. I mean, they publicly criticized him starting in week four. That, yeah. That's still early. So, um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, how dynamic this offense is. And and if Gates can do what the Jets brought him here to do, which is
0: get creative and
3: and find ways to get guys open that they haven't been finding in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. So for fantasy football, outside of Le'Veon Bell, who would be kind of your next go-to guy on the Jets to have?
3: Well, if you're talking like a high-level guy, I mean, I think Darnold's gonna have a great. I just have a feeling Darnold's gonna have a great year. Um, yeah, he'd
0: be a good value pick. Too. I hope so. I
3: could be, I could be wrong, but I think you know, he, there's a chance for him to put up a lot of, a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Uh, if you look at Adam Gase's history, he loves the slot receiver. He always gets a slot receiver involved. So Jameson Crowder is a good guy there. And then for a real value guy, I think Montgomery is going to be very, very involved in the offense. Uh, yep even receiving too right field. yeah i think and i think it's going to be a wide variety of things i think he'll line up a receiver i think you'll see him in the pickup in some two backfield sets back i think you'll see him in the backfield Le'Veon bell uh, a lot yeah um and i and i think uh, he's going i just think he's going to get a lot of touches i don't think you know I, I know the jets signed him to be a backup but i don't think that's going to be his role i think he's going to be two pretty first, involved uh, in the offense yep yeah, I just think – and I think Gates likes him and, and, and that versatility. And so I, I think, you know, he's going to be really involved. Um, and then another guy who's interesting is Chris Herndon because he has a connection with Darnold. And he's going to be a big part of the offense, but he's also not going to play for the first four weeks. So That's huge. is that going to scare away some people and, and, and fantasy? And is that going to be a thing where, like, he might drop a little – Cause in the drafts and it'd be a good pickup you know late i mean maybe you wait, maybe he doesn't get drafted, and you wait and get him later in the season, but I think like there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be just as impactful as he was in last year's offense this year, so uh, he's another interesting guy, but it it's hard to kind of gauge what you want to do with him because that's you know four weeks is a long that's a quarter of the season
1: that's a long time, yeah I, yeah. I really do hope Darnold succeeds not only fantasy wise but Definitely, just on the field, performance of because I've been through this with the last USC quarterback. We did go to back-to-back championships, but his biggest memory from him is the butt fumble, Mark Sanchez. So I hope, yeah. that, I hope, I hope this one turns out a little better. what already it is, already is looking that way.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's some. If diff- I wasn't around to cover Sanchez, but I, you know, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me, so forgive me. But I, I think Darnold threw like. 17 touchdowns and 15 interceptions last year. And I think Sanchez as a rookie. His numbers were not nearly that. I think he threw a lot. I think he threw more interceptions and fewer touchdowns. He just so you're already dealing with a guy who has a, has a better baseline. And you, you're already dealing with a guy who can make – I think he can make a lot of the throws that, that Sanchez couldn't. So – um, and he certainly
1: – He's definitely more athletic.
3: Um, yeah, and he certainly has that mobility – which is also key and the ability to make these throws while he's on the run. So he can do a lot of stuff that Sanchez couldn't do. And I think, you know, mentally it's, he sees the field better. So the, the big issue for Donald is going to be, can he keep up what he did at the end of the last season? I, I, he went the last three plus games without an interception. Uh, it was like oh, something over 115 attempts without an interception. And remember, he was doing that with a an offense like there was nobody out in the field yeah, with him. I mean, Jermaine Kearse was the number one receiver, which J- Jermaine curse I think has potential as like a number three still. But he, I mean, if he's your number one option, that guy is not fast enough to to uh, get himself open against the best cornerbacks on another team. So, you know, it was not a good situation for Donald late in the season. He still did pretty well. Uh, of course the flip side of that is there was no pressure there was nothing to play for at the end of the year last year and it's easy to go out there and 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 sling it there's going to be real pressure this year there's going to be expectations and he's going to have weapons so um it it may be harder you know mentally for him to get the job done but from everything i've seen the kid you know he's not a typical 22 year old he doesn't i mean you would think he's older than and more mature than just about anybody on the roster, if you you didn't know how old he was, he's, uh, he's rock solid. He doesn't seem overwhelmed by anything. So I think that's, uh, you know, pretty exciting as a Jets fan. And and there's no reason to believe he'll take a step backward, but you know, you never know with these things. So it's the Jets. It's happened before. (laughs) I would definitely (laughs) proceed with with caution, but, but I'm telling, you know, I'm telling you, he looks good in every way. Like, He's saying, he's saying the right things. He's making the right decisions in practice. 11 practices, he's only thrown two interceptions. Um, and neither one of them were, like, egregious. So,
0: Yeah, not bad. You know, <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it's interesting. But only, only, we're only going to know once he gets in the games when they count.
0: Yeah. I cannot wait for the start of the season. It's, it's so hard waiting for it.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and there's some exciting matchups, you know, I think of Week Two, Monday Night Football against Baker Mayfield, and then wow. you know, getting the chance to go and play the Patriots and yeah. try to win for the first time there, in like almost ten years uh, early in the season, and, and kind of set the tone. So, yeah, there's a lot of exciting matchups early in the season. If the Jets can steal some of those tough games, um, I think it'll go a long way. If they can, especially if they can, you know, finally get a win against New England, I think they play them twice in the first seven weeks.
0: They wow. can win one of those
3: games, I think. I think it'll give them a lot of confidence.
0: It's uh, a heavy first half.
3: So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not easy. I think they got the Cowboys early. Um, Jeez. You know, it's hard it also helps them down the,
2: down the stretch, too. What's that that? They don't have, it helps them down the stretch, too, that they don't have to play New England when they are maybe potentially yeah. fighting for a playoff spot.
3: Yeah, I think if you look, it's always hard to project these schedules because in the NFL, teams can turn things around so quickly. But, um, yeah, if you look at the second half of their schedule, it's softer, and and there's not, and, and travel-wise, they're not, they're like, the furthest west they go this year is Cincinnati, so it's not a, a rigorous schedule, it's not a tough uh, on-the-body type schedule. It'll be tough because they have to bye week so early, week four, they're, that means they're going to play, you know, 13 straight weeks to end the season, which Oof. is not, you know, an, an ideal situation, but... Other than that, I think, you know, there's a chance to make some headway, you know, late in the season and and a lot of really interesting matchups and it should be a fun year. I mean, I don't know how good they're gonna be, but I do know this team is gonna be interesting. When you look at Le'Veon Bell being there, you look at Darnold, you know, making the leap from year one to year two, and, and then you look at the personalities on the coaching staff with Gase and and Greg Williams, uh, they are going to be a team that is interesting. They're, they're going to be a team that people around the NFL football fans, general football fans care about, which is not something you could say about this team, you know, really since that second season, they went, you know, the season they were on hard knocks in 2010.
0: Uh, any other questions so about it, it's, it's the Jets guys? Funny. I'm ready it to is, move on to golf.
1: Oh uh, yeah. We had All a couple right, questions
0: yeah. about golf uh, because the Northern trust is in New Jersey, right by us. Uh, so we yeah, want to we see it. a couple of your favorites for this weekend.
3: Man, golf tournaments uh I've been covering golf for a long time. I've been covering golf long enough that ten years ago when Tiger finished second there, I was there. That's so um, jeez. And I was there in <laughs> I was there in thirteen when he finished second there as well. Yeah. I would say do not pick Tiger. I mean I could That's be wrong, fine. but I, I was out there today, um and the guy was like he couldn't even finish eighteen holes because his back was tightening up, and he didn't want oh, to push no. it. Oh no! So, so it's going to be interesting to see on Thursday morning what he looks like. Here's the weird thing, though: like, if his if his back like cooperates, and it's going to be warm the next four days, he could play well. It's possible. It's just such a it's so up in the air. You know what I mean? That it's hard he, to, he looks like a completely different
0: player every time he goes out. Now, every each time it's a whole new exactly. person.
3: Like at the British Open, he was a disaster. He looked like watching him tee off on Thursday. I was like, "Is this the hell over?" Like he looked miserable <laughs> and in pain. And then on Friday, he goes out and shoots a 68 that could have been a 66. So <laughs> who, like, honestly, who the hell knows what's going to happen? If he could win, if he, if his back feels good four days in a row, the odds of his back feeling good four days in a row, based on what we've seen since the Masters,
1: probably not. not. Good. Yeah. So yeah. Are but, you a okay, fan? so
3: getting past getting past Tiger, like Brooks Koepka, at this point, how do you pick against him?
0: I love Brooks uh, Koepka,
3: and he's just like it's really here's a guy who was like who was pretty boring when you watch him, and didn't really say much for most of his career, and now he's in press conferences, and saying literally whatever comes to his mind, <laughs> and does not give a, a you know what what anyone else thinks. It's it's awesome. I was in there today for the press conference, and he's just like railing on slow play. You know, basically saying like, takes me fifteen seconds to play, and I do pretty. I've done okay. Yeah. So, I mean, which is a great line.
1: So cocky. <laughs> uh, I mean, he,
3: I, mean, he's become a guy that you know, you, you root for him because he just says what's on his mind, and then he also goes out there and performs. And I think you know he he has the game to play well there. Uh, another, a couple other guys you should probably have on your on your list. Adam Scott won there. Yep. In uh, 2013 and. I was, you know, he says that the course fits his eye because it reminds him of some of the courses he grew up playing in Australia. So it's always like important to have, you know, a, com- a level of comfort there. Gary Woodland who won the U S open this year finished second there in 2013. Um, and he plays a lot when he comes to New York city, he plays at Liberty. So he knows the course well and feels comfortable there and doesn't have to hit a lot of drivers similar to Pebble beach. So he's yeah. another guy to watch, uh, I love Xander Schauffele. He's just such a fun player, and out of all these young guys, he's like—he's—he's he's really just got a lot of game, got a lot of swagger, and I think he's going to be in the mix in these playoffs, and—and—and and, and he has a real chance to win it if he can, you know, put together a, a top finish here at at the Northern Trust, and and Rory, um, I think he'll get in the mix. I don't know if he'll win, but I think he can get in the mix. He just closing seems to be difficult for him lately.
1: Hey.
0: Can't he <laughs>
1: blow
0: doors off. Yeah. Yeah. If he blow I know. The, if he doesn't have like a two-shot lead, it's, it's hard for him to hold on. Didn't Dustin Johnson win it a couple of years ago?
3: So he did win. He won it in 2017. I think it was at Glen Oaks on Long Island. So totally different kind of golf
0: course. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah.
3: And he won it at Plainfield in 2011. That one was shortened to to 54 holes because of a hurricane. Wow. So um, he's won it twice in the last 10 years. But this is a different kind of golf course. It's more about you know, hitting the fairways. Um, and if you get out of position on this golf course, it'll get you like the, the winning score there, I think was, you know, eight under in 2009 and maybe 10 under in, or 11, nine under in 2009 and 11 under in 2013. So it's not yeah. like a birdie fest. It's not, and I don't think it will be this year either. Although they just got a ton of rain, so it's going to be soft and there might be low scores on Thursday and Friday. I think it'll toughen up on, on Saturday and Sunday. And, you're gonna. It's gonna be like a complete test. You're gonna have to hit the fairways. And if Dustin Johnson's driving the ball well, he has as good a chance as anybody. But he's been a little shaky with that lately, and that's why he really hasn't uh, contended since that second place at the PGA Championship at Page in May.
1: Are you a Tiger fan? Like, are you gonna be rooting to see Tiger on Sunday in the last pair? The couple last pairs really competing for the for the win.
3: I mean, it's weird because fan you know i have to be objective so yeah. i'm always but, rooting for the best best story yeah yes yeah, it's going to be a good story that great would be the best tiger story but, <laughs> yeah i mean ideally you get tiger and you get brooks, brooks and rory yeah. all playing well go, going into sunday and that's uh i mean that's that's going to be a that would be a blast right but yeah. um i mean just as a human yeah it's it's just more interesting when tiger's playing well and I mean, I think anyone who watched the Masters, like, that was awesome. I mean, mean, journalists or not, like, that was freaking cool, man. Like, the guy who you never thought you'd see basically play golf at a high level again goes out and wins it. One of the greatest 11 years after winning his last major. Yeah, I mean, it was – that's cool. And and I think, you know, as golf fans and and sports fans, we're always going to want to see – greatness last as long as it can so yeah the human being i want to see him keep winning i want to see him challenge jack's 18 majors because like you want to say like i was alive i was there i was watching tiger tiger woods when he went on this historic run um so yeah i mean it, it would be really cool if he was there but i still think you, you can have a really good tournament and a really good playoffs even if he doesn't play well but it would be more fun if he does All
1: right. there's anything else
0: um so yeah we're just gonna wrap it up a little bit uh a couple last questions more just okay. back on the writing side have you ever had because being a, a writer and journalist you have the opportunity to kind of write whatever you want about these guys have you ever had a problem with a player team where you could just uh kind of write about them and talk shit to them and uh just to get back at them or something
3: I didn't know we were allowed to swear on here, guys. I would have said a lot of shit earlier. Um, <laughs> no,
1: um,
3: yeah, I mean, there's look. It's not my job to write things that are going to make the team happy. It's my job to write honest evaluations of what is happening. So there's been times when I cover the Nets where they didn't like a player, maybe didn't like something I wrote, or um, the team. There's certainly many, many times where the Jets don't like things that I write or tweet, and that's okay because that's my job to write my my take on what's happening and and my evaluation of of a player or a situation so i mean um there's you know there's been i'm not going to get into specifics or names but there's been times where i've tweeted something uh and a player saw it and then a couple days later you know wants to talk about it and isn't happy (laughs) and that's fine i mean yeah that that's not a big deal. I mean it's it's actually like flattering to know that players uh are actually reading this stuff. I, I don't yeah. think they they really should get hung up on it. It's I mean at the end of the day if, if you don't like that I tweeted about your contract or something to that effect, like you're still making millions and millions of dollars to play a game. So why do you care what I think? <laughs> like, all that should matter is what the te- your teammates and your coaches think. Um but yeah, and there's sometimes where players don't like questions that you ask, but I don't. I really try not to take it personal. Personally, personally uh, because I don't. You know, it's not. A, I'm 99% of the time, it's not me attacking a guy's character. It's just attacking the way they behaved or or the way they played. So if I write that, that I didn't like what some guy did or didn't like the way he played, it's not personal. It's just you know, fans aren't going to believe me or my readers aren't going to believe me if they think I'm in the tank for the team or, or a player. So it's important to be objective and important to call guys out when necessary and important to praise them for playing well when when they do uh, so that, you know, my readers know that what they're getting from me is not bullshit and it's real.
0: Yep. Uh, any last questions, Bird? Is Oh,
2: this has been awesome. I'm having... Yeah, this has been
1: great. I got no more questions, though.
0: So, that we really do appreciate you coming on.
1: Oh, it's not a big
3: deal, guys. I don't mind. Yeah, man, I appreciate just... you having me, it's fun to, you know, talk about this stuff and and kind of get, you know, a different perspective because, you know, a lot of times we just kind of get locked into what we're doing day to day and don't know what people are wondering. So, about the team, so it's good to to hear, you know, what outside perspectives are because we're so in it every day that I mean, I just, you know, some certain things I just don't think about. I don't think about, uh, you know. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about how the outside is perceiving Adam Gase or how, um, you know, they're receiving Le'Veon Bell or, or, I mean, I, I, you think about that stuff somewhat, but it, I'm usually just dealing with kind of my perspectives on these guys. And, and, uh, you know, you, we can't think like fans because I can't do my job that I can't do my job properly that way. Yep. So it's, it's good sometimes to get another perspective. Well, def, I'll definitely come back on once you get started and, and we have some, uh, Real football to talk about. I do appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, and it was nice getting to know you a little bit and talking some sports.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank Hi. you so much for coming yeah, on. Uh, we appreciate the first interview. Uh, just the experience for us to have and love talking to some Jets, Giants, and local f- sports.
2: Yeah, it's been truly, truly an honor and blessing that you guys came on
3: well absolutely and just make sure you, you let whoever is next know that I was the best guest you've ever had yeah oh, absolutely
2: absolutely. thank you so much right, thank you.
3: Hey, I All hope, right, you, thank I you, I you, hope you have a better
2: day tomorrow that's for sure Yeah. <laughs> alright
3: All right, thank you man
0: uh, I, I, I'm sorry I fucked up your sign
1: off guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's a wrap for the second episode of this league podcast thanks everyone for tuning back in and we'll wrap to you on Thursday Shy, motherfuckers. Peace out,